continue on in the theme in which we were speaking just a number of weeks ago, this whole aspect about being planted in God's house. Remember how we began to look at Psalm 92 and we began to see how the righteous are planted in God's house. And as a result of being planted, our lives are immovable. I wonder today if I asked you the question, how would you describe your life? I wonder what your answer would be. I wonder if you look back in your past and thought about the descriptions that other people have given about your life. I wonder what thoughts would come to mind. How would you describe your life today? How have people described your life? What interpretations do they have about you? Are they negative ones? Are they ones that, that you know, aren't good? God has a description when it comes to each and every one of our lives. He really does. And very often it's far greater and far larger than the descriptions and the thoughts that we have in relation to our lives or anybody else has about our lives. God's description and God's thoughts in relation to our lives are wonderful thoughts. David said, if I were to try and number the thoughts that God has about my life, they would be greater than all of the the, the particles of sand on the seashore. God's thoughts for our lives are far, far higher than our own. You know, I heard about a man, a story, a true story about a man who went for a tattoo and after looking at all of the tattoos that he could choose in, in, that, in that tattoo parlor, he chose one in the center on the wall. It was this, born to lose. That was the one tattoo amidst all of the tattoos that that he could have chose, that was the one tattoo that, that stood out to him that he wanted to epitomize his life, born to lose. I don't believe that God has chosen any person to lose. God has great plans for our lives. God has an amazing picture when it comes to each and every one of our lives. But you know the description that might be hanging over your life today might be that description like that tattoo that that man chose, born to lose. And inside you really do believe that. Inside you struggle to move beyond that thought. It's very real. And every day is a rehearsal in that thinking. Every day is, a, is an experience and an extension of that message. No, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. There's something wonderful about the life that Jesus has for each and every one of us. God hasn't destined every one of, any one of us to lose. He really hasn't. He's destined us to succeed. Paul puts it this way, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You're more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. You can do all things through Christ 
That isn't the description of somebody that's declining or somebody that's losing or, or, or somebody that's breaking up and breaking apart and regressing. That's, that's the description of a person that has Jesus right at the core of their being. And that doesn't mean to say that life is easy. It doesn't mean to say that circumstances all run together orderly. But it does mean to say that we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. That is God's thoughts. That is God's description over our lives. It really is. Now, when we come to Psalm 92, we see a very, very clear picture about our lives, each and every one of our lives, a very clear visual picture that, that depicts the life of the righteous. David said this, let's read it together from verse 12 through to verse 15. The righteous, he says, shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow or he, she shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. This is a wonderful picture of lives that are planted together in the house of the Lord. This is a wonderful picture, a wonderful promise in relation to our lives. It's a description of you and me as a result of our lives being in Christ, as a, as a result of our roots going deep down together into his house. The picture is glorious. The description is beyond anything that we could do naturally, but it's a wonderful depiction of our lives in him. A wonderful visual. God doesn't say your life might flourish, your life might be fruitful, your, your, your life might be fresh in old age. God through his servant David in this psalm says the righteous shall flourish. There's an air of certainty about these words of promise that David gives to us in relation to our lives. Your life shall flourish. Even amidst a world that is hostile toward you, even amidst an environment that seems so oppressive and closing in, your life shall flourish. Your life shall be fruitful. Your life shall be fresh. Even in its old age, you'll bring forth great fruit and great blessing. It's certainty. This isn't 50-50 chance. Your life isn't given over to the spin of a wheel or the numbers on a ticket. No, your life is blessed by God. You shall flourish. You shall be fruitful. You shall be fresh even into old age. Even, even as you age, you'll not regress or decline. You'll be strong. I'm blessed of God in all ways. In all ways, there's a certainty about these words. There's clarity. This isn't a, a prediction. This is just a revelation 
of the heritage of those who are righteous and those who are planted. There's clarity here. There's certainty here. You can, you can stake your life on it. That when your roots go down into God's house and when your family is, is the company of God's people, you will be blessed. There's certainty about this. Now, as I was studying this whole aspect and, and what, was, what David was speaking about in Psalm 92, I discovered that there, there's over 60,000 variations of trees within our world. Can you believe that? You know, I just thought it was the oak tree, the sycamore tree, the, the pine tree, and, you know, a couple of palm trees. I thought there was, you know, maybe 10, 20 trees around the world. But you know what? There are over 60,000 variations of trees within our world. That's incredible. But what's more incredible is that God singles out just a few trees, just just a few trees to represent the righteous life and the character of his people. And this is what he does in Psalm 92. He says, the righteous shall be like a palm tree planted in his house. Now, a few weeks ago, I gave you just seven characteristics of the palm tree that represent that righteous life that God has given us. I'm sure there's many more aspects of, of the palm tree that we could pick up on. But just these seven alone typify the life and the strength that we have as our roots go down deep into God's house. Let me go through them with you just as we begin today, and we'll cover a few more. We covered two, I think, last time. We'll try to get through the other five today, see how we go. But here they are. The palm tree, we said, first of all, the palm tree will bend but not break in a storm. Secondly, we noted the palm tree can survive and flourish in a desert. Thirdly, we noted that the palm tree can withstand abuse and mistreatment. Thank God for that. Fourthly, we said that the palm tree becomes sweet, not sour, with every stage and season of life. Fifthly, we said that the palm tree is planted permanently in its place. It's immovable. Uh, the sixth point we covered was that the palm tree cannot be consumed. And then finally, point number seven, the palm tree is evergreen. Now, it becomes obvious when we begin to understand the nature of the palm tree, why God used it to represent the righteous life. The palm tree has a strength the palm tree within, within its nature has a durability and a tenacity to stand up against all of the external forces that come its way. And God the creator looks into the creation and pulls out this one tree. And he says, within that tree, within the character of that tree and within the nature of that tree, there's points to note about my people who are planted in my house. We looked last, uh, the last time how the palm tree bends but doesn't break in the storm. The storm cannot, cannot break you. 
Because there's an unbreakable life within you. It doesn't mean that we don't go through struggles or hardship or difficulties or things that we don't understand. But the wonderful thing is that the storms of life cannot break us. Bend we may. But there's an unbreakable life within each and every one of us. We also said that the palm tree can survive and flourish in the desert in the most driest of times. Because of our roots, because of the roots of our lives go deep down into Christ. We can, su- su- we can survive and flourish amidst the deserts of life and the dry seasons that we go through. Now today, let's look just for a moment at how we can, as God's people, withstand abuse and mistreatment. Not really a nice subject to look at. What did the preacher talk about on Sunday? How to survive, mis- <laughs> how to survive abuse and mistreatment. Not really a nice subject. But there's a wonderful, there's a, there's a wonderful aspect about this, this tree that enables it to survive abuse and mistreatment. You see, because the life center of the palm tree is right at its core, right in the middle, in the center of it. Whereas many trees have its life around its perimeter, the palm tree has its life right at its center. And it doesn't matter what afflicts it externally, it still grows nevertheless. And, and it, it's a message to us, no matter what surrounds us, no matter what comes our way, no matter what external forces or circumstances come to put you down or take you out, somehow we conquer on through. Somehow, because of the life of Christ within us, within our spirits, we're enabled to stand and having done all to stand, remain standing. It's an incredible ability that that the believer has in Christ. It really is. And if you were to look back on your past today, if you were to look back on the times of hardship that you've gone through, maybe you wondered at the time, will I ever go through this? Will I ever get through it? And now you're out the other side and it's because of the life of Christ within you that enables you to go through all of the abuse and misuse that others afflict you with. Do you know we see this wonderful aspect and trait in Jesus? And there's no other person to look at in the Bible than Jesus. There's no greater person that you can look at. Think about all of the external forces that came at Jesus. Think about how they mishandled and misused and abused his life. Even on the last night of his life, He was on his knees washing his disciples' feet, loving them, wanting to to bring them close. And even in that moment where he was pouring out all of his affection and all of his love, in the final moments, the closing moments of his time with his disciples, Judas was about to betray him. Peter later would deny him. And His friends, who he had sown all of his life into, would abandon him. And then on beyond there, you talk about abuse and misuse and mishandling. 
on beyond there with the indescribable sufferings that Jesus went through as he was whipped and beaten. And then finally, he was hung on a cross and he was laughed at and they mocked him and they gambled for his clothes. And then there was a whole host of spiritual demonic things that were attacking him and assailing him. And then the very judgment of God had to come and land on him as he took the price to redeem the whole world. Misuse, abuse, judgment, everything. And yet at the end of it, the closing words that came from Jesus' lips was this, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This wasn't a man that was trying to get revenge on those that were hurting him. This wasn't a man that was trying to, to, you know, to, to hurl abuse back at the world that was against him. This was a man that appealed to his father to forgive those who had sinned against him so vilely and violently. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus was just like that palm tree that David pictures in Psalm 92, planted, immovable, unbreakable in his love. You see, his life source was not dependent on external acceptance. His life source wasn't dependent on everything externally lining up and being good and favorable to him. No, if everything around him was against him, it mattered not because the life source within him, within his center core, was strong. And he drew his identity of who he was from his Father in heaven. So no matter what cut into him externally, forgiveness flowed out. Forgiveness came. Jesus, like no other, demonstrated this so wonderfully. And that's a message for each one of us today. Maybe there's external circumstances around you that are not nice, that are not good that are very disappointing and hurtful. But you know what? Like the palm tree, you can withstand any abuse, any mistreatment. And I'm not saying that it's right. It's wrong. Call it for what it is. But you know what? Even as that abuse and that hurt cuts into you, it's not going to take you down. It isn't because you're planted in God's house. It's not going to take you out. Ephesians 3, verse 17 to 21, says this. Paul talking about our roots going down deep into Christ. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever 
Amen. You see, there's a power that works within you that is not your own, that you can draw upon to respond to all of these external afflictions that face you. The palm tree, because it's planted in God's house, can withstand abuse and mistreatment. Fourthly, not only can it withstand abuse and mistreatment, the palm tree becomes sweet and not sour with every age and season of life. Sweet and not sour. Oh, this is a good one. This is one we've all got to remind ourselves of. Sometimes it's easy to become bitter by life. Sometimes, you know, it's easy, isn't it? The pressure comes on and we, you know, see where we are and we see who we are and suddenly all of those old hurts come up again. But the great thing is about the righteous life because it draws its strength from God. We can become sweet, not sour, with all the seasons of life, and all of the seasons of life are varied and many. But even though those seasons may be many and varied, they can bring out and draw out a sweetness from the child of God, not a sour, bitter taste, but a sweetness from who we are. The palm tree grows sweeter as it grows older. Paul in Galatians said this to the church. He said, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What a sweet description. What a beautiful description of a life that's under the control of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the life of the palm tree. That's the description and the depiction of the righteous life that's planted in the house of God. When people are impatient with you, and when people are baiting you for a response and a reaction, there's a patience that comes up from you that's the fruit of your life, that doesn't bite back, that doesn't take the bait, that's self-controlled. When everything's out of control, you main, maintain control because of the life that you have in Him. Sweet, sweet life. Not sour, not stagnant, but sweet to others. I remember, you know, listening to a story by a great man called Bryn Jones, and he had an apostolic ministry across the world, a, a wonderful man. And uh, when he was a young man, he was a, a, an evangelist, and he went to one little village, and they were going to set up a tent crusade at the end of the week. And as, 
They wanted to invite people to that crusade. They went door-to-door knocking to invite and to let people know what they were doing at the end of the week. They went around the village and they came to one door and an old lady answered the door. And he said she was a beautifully, beautiful lady in appearance, very sweet and gentle. And uh, they just gave her the invitation. They said, oh, my love, we are doing a crusade to tell people about Jesus and about his goodness and how he loves us and wants to save us. We're doing it at the end of the week on the crus- in the crusade. Would you like to come? And she said, well, I would love to come. I'm a believer. I love Jesus. Why don't you come in for a cup of tea? So in they went for a cup of tea. And, you know, they, they sat down with the lady and they had fellowship with, with her. And Bryn said to her, he said, well, will you tell me a little bit about your life, a little bit about your story? She said, well, I received Jesus when I was just a young girl. And I grew up in a church and I loved going to church and just singing the, the hymns and in fellowship with others. And she said, as I grew older, she said, it was wonderful because I met my husband there. And together, we served in that church as husband and wife. And over time, within, within our lives, we, we decided to have a family and we had one son. And life was so sweet. Life was so wonderful as we made our home together. And then she said, as our our lives progressed and the seasons of life went on, the the war years set in within our country and the Second World War came about. And she said, my husband and my son got called out for duty. And she said, as they left, she said, I wept. But she said, I went to my knees and I prayed every day for my husband, and for my son. Over the years, she said, as they were in war, she said, I believe God would bring them safely back to me one day. But then a day came when I received two letters from the war office. And she said, before I opened them, she said, fear struck my heart as I knew what I was about to read. She said, I opened the first letter, and she said, I read about how my husband had lost his life in action. She said, I was broken and distraught as I opened the second letter and read again how my son now had lost his life in action. And Bryn looked at her, shook his head, crying, He said, my love, he said, you've lost everything. You've lost everything. And she looked back at him and smiled. And she said, son, not everything. Not everything. She said, because in in that moment when I lost my husband, In that moment of grief when I lost my son, Jesus was there. 
He has never left me or forsaken me all of these years through the journey of life that I've been on. He's been there. Now, many of us may never ever go through the experience, the bitter experience that that woman went through. But like a palm tree, when life afflicted her, when life wounded her, when unimaginable circumstance and suffering overshadowed her, she didn't become bitter or sour, but her life and her testimony was that she became sweeter, sweeter by the trials and, and the sufferings of life. And it's hard for us to understand. It's hard for us to equate. It's hard for us to interpret such events like that being able to make us sweet and not bitter. But that woman's testimony to a young evangelist was that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to His purpose. Even the hardest situations of life can enable us to become sweet Sweet and not sour. Fifthly, the palm tree is planted permanently in its place. Now, there's many scriptures that we could relate to in relation to this. I'm just going to give you one this morning, Colossians 2 from verse 6 to verse 7. Paul talking about the permanence of our planting in God. He says this, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. You are rooted and planted in Christ. You are. You're not going anywhere. You're founded in Him. In fact, Jesus put it this way. He talked about two different lives. One that's built upon the sand and one that's built upon the rock. And He said, any life that is built on me is built upon the rock. Any life that's built outside of me, no matter what pursuit it is no matter, no matter how successful it looks, if it is not built on Christ the rock, when the storm comes, it will go down. But Jesus said, when we build our lives on him, even though the storm may come and, and, and come against that building of our lives, our lives will stand beyond the storm. There's a permanence about each and every one of our lives as it's planted in its place. You know, there's something amazing about the palm tree, and it's this. It cannot be transplanted. Many other trees can be taken from the situation of where they're rooted and replanted in other locations. But the palm tree, once it lays its roots down, it's permanently established in its place. God doesn't place any one of us 
in a location, in a family to uproot us and plant us somewhere else. He roots our lives down so that we can be knitted together in strength, so our fellowship can be sweet with one another, so that there can be longevity with our lives together as we're built in Him, that our planting can be permanent in its place. To uproot the palm tree is almost to destroy it. But God says, no, you're home. You're permanently planted in the place that I've designated for you. And isn't it wonderful to look around this room today and see many different lives from many different places, different backgrounds, but all of us are brought together in his house. Really is wonderful. Sixthly, the palm tree cannot be consumed. I'll just cover this one quickly. Isaiah 43 says this. God's talking to his people. He said, fear not, for I am with you. When you walk through the waters, you'll not be drowned. When you pass through the fire, you will not be harmed. You will not be burned. It doesn't matter what fiery trial comes against you. It doesn't matter how hot the situation occurs around you. You will not be scorched. You will not be burned because he is with you. The palm tree cannot be consumed. You, cannot, you can't burn it. You can't use it as a fuel. It's inconsumable. And God is pointing to this tree to show us aspects about our nature, aspects about the characteristics of the life that's in us. We cannot be consumed by the fiery trials that try to beset us. You're going to come on through. And then finally, I'm just going to ask James to come, and the musicians to come as well. The palm tree is an evergreen. It's a perennial it brings fruit in every season. It's abundant. You might not be able to control the weather climate around it. You might not be able to control the external conditions that try to beset it. But it's an evergreen. It's a perennial. It always provides fruit. Its leaves are always lush. It flourishes in spite of the environment around it. It flourishes. It's fresh, even into old age. Amen. 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 Do you know what? Our world, we live in a world that would write the older generation off. Tell you now, in the church of God, the older generation are never written off. If you look at the descriptions that God has about the older generation, there's great respect and, and great description in relation to their future. In fact, the Bible talks about young men and young women growing weary, but those that wait upon the Lord, the older generation, rising up with wings as of eagles, soaring into everything that God has for them. God has a wonderful description when it, when it comes to 
our future as we grow older. And that's not to say that, that the younger generation aren't important, but all of us together have a part to play. All of us together, young and old, together, the, the house of God is a wonderful place, a wonderful collection of people from every age and stage of life. Evergreen. It's a symbol of immortality. It's a symbol of eternal life. In Psalm 93, you can read it when you go home. We won't refer to it now. But in Psalm 93, David sees this huge hurricane coming towards him. And he says, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods have lifted up their waves. The Lord on high is mightier, he says, than the noise of the many waters, than the mighty waves of the sea. Your testimonies are very sure. Holiness adorns your house, O Lord, forever. Psalm 93, David sees this huge storm coming to his life. He sees the huge storm, the hurricane-like conditions that are about to beset the people of God. But in Psalm 94, he reveals the nature and the life within the righteous who are planted in God's house. And he says, no matter what flood comes against us, no matter how loud its voice roars against us, those that are planted in God's house will flourish in the courts of God. And the testimonies are many across this place. The testimonies and the messages of all of our lives ring true to what David has said in Psalm 94. Many, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. I'm telling you now, there's situations in all of our lives where we thought we were going down, but just like that righteous palm that stands in the storm, that stands in the hurricane, our lives have remained because our roots go deep into Him. It's not by might. It's not by human ingenuity, but it's by my spirit says the Lord, as your roots draw up that life from the Spirit, you're able, you're able to withstand all of the gales and all of the storms of life. I got a media clip that we looked at. I looked at a few, few weeks ago. Take a look at this for a moment. Maybe, maybe today your life looks a little bit like that. Maybe it's a bit blowy and a bit heavy. But you notice those palm trees, they're straight and they're righteous and they're strong because they're rooted. There's something about their character. There's something about their nature that enables them to withstand the noise of the storm, to withstand and stay strong amidst the gales of life. And today, you may not have a picture of life like that. Everything might be calm. But I just want to let you know when the seasons of life change, you're more than able to meet every season of life. You're more than able to meet any situation, not because of you, but because of Jesus inside you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in 
the world. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And when everybody would discount you and count you out, I'm telling you, there's a life within us. A life within us. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will quicken our mortal bodies. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your people today. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your life inside us. Even though our mind may tell us that we're going down, even though our thoughts and our mind may try to convince us that there's no hope or no help, I thank you suddenly you come on through and you enable us to be everything you've called us to be. That conqueror, that more than a conqueror through your strength. Lord, I pray for every person here today. Lord, I thank you. As our roots have gone down into you, we are like that righteous palm tree planted of the Lord in your house. Holy Spirit, thank you that you meet every need. You give us courage for another week, strength to go back to the place that we're afraid of. I pray right now, Lord, for somebody here today that might not know you. Their lives feel like they're uprooted. Holy Spirit, I pray that they would feel your hand go on their life and plant them, root them into your house this day. I ask this in Jesus' name for your glory. While our eyes are closed today, maybe for the first time, you want to pray a prayer asking Jesus into your heart. You know, the Bible says, if you believe on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. If you just place your trust and your faith in Him, something miraculous will take place inside your heart. God will come by His Holy Spirit. Come into your heart. Make it His home. You won't become a religious fanatic. He'll give you peace that you've been looking for. He'll end your search. And He'll give you fullness of life that He's provided for you in Christ Jesus. Now maybe today you're here and you want to ask Jesus into your heart. I want to help you. He's going to make you like that palm tree, unbreakable, immovable. To go through the seasons of life, I'm going to pray with you right now. Pray this prayer with me. Quietly in your heart, say this. Jesus, I ask you today, forgive me my sin. Make me brand new. I place my faith 
and my trust in you. Please, I open my heart. Come into my heart and give me your peace. Amen. Now, while eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, would you quickly lift your hand up? We'll see it. We just want to give you a Bible today. Is there one person here? You prayed that prayer. That's it, my love. Well done. Excellent. That's it. It takes courage, sir. Well done. The gentleman there in the middle. That's it, sir. Could we get this gentleman a Bible? Is there another person? Maybe today there's a a lady there as well. That's it. Jesus does miracles. He's doing a miracle right now in your heart. Just as you just open your heart and express your trust in him. Is there anybody else? That's it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Three people lifted their hands up just to say, Jesus, I just want to put my trust in you. I want to put my faith in you. Is there another person here today? Or maybe if you, if you don't want to put your hand up, just see one of our welcome team at the back. We'd love to give you a Bible and love to connect with you. And if you did put your hand up, listen, just keep coming back. Keep coming back. You're part of a family now, God's family. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We're going to have an amazing week this week of meeting people, meeting people and being a light to them. God bless you. Let's...